Lemon here with Harsh Truths Podcast. It's May 2017, and our guest this month is Jim Harris from Deterge. We recorded this podcast almost a year and a half ago, right before the Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago. Real quick, before we get started, I do want to uh, send a shout out to No Response Festival 2017. Uh, That's coming up Friday, June 16th through Sunday, June 18th. Friday nights, Genesis Peoridge and Ed Liab, Yoshi Wada, Nate Woolley, Graham Lampkin, Bill Mason, Twig Harper. Saturday is Hijo Kaidan, Barbado Magus, Envy Carbon, and Jason Lescalite. Also Saturday night, there's going to be an in-store post-fest party at Torn Light Records. That's going to be with Tread Nerve and myself doing a set as Plague Mother. Also Sunday at noon at Torn Light Records, T. Mikawa from Hijo Kaidan and Incapacitance will be performing a solo set. Check out noresponsefestival.com for tickets and more information. Uh, thanks again to Alex and everyone at Torn Light Records for uh, having me perform, and I'm really looking forward to uh, hanging out, hopefully getting some more new episodes in the can. Uh, The reason the podcast is late this month is because I spent almost two weeks out in New York City with uh, the Thousands of Dead Cods crew and got some new podcast material recorded I'm very excited about. I might even uh, skip ahead a little bit just to get those out a little sooner. So uh, keep tuning in. Also, because I was a couple weeks late this month, next week there will be a bonus episode of the podcast coming your way. It's going to be an Ask Me Anything episode, so feel free to hit up the Facebook page or shoot an email over to harshtruthspodcast at gmail.com, and I will answer your questions. So uh, without any further ado, let's get on to the episode. Okay, so today we've got Jim Harris from uh, Deterge. His label's FustyCon. He's also got a couple other projects we'll talk about today. Uh, Jim, how's it going? Good. Good? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you recently moved to Pittsburgh, but we're actually in Chicago. Uh, it's a you know, good seven-hour drive. Um, yep. Are you happy to be back for a little bit? Or Yeah, I got my family's still here, so you know, I kind of actually came back just to get something, but I, uh, I saw a show the other day, and then currently there's a show today, so I figured I'd get two birds, one stone out of it if I'm going to drive, you know, 14 hours there and back. So. Right. Um so your family lives a little outside of Chicago, like an hour or so? Yeah, my uh, my family is actually from, uh, both my parents, they're from Northbrook, which is like 20 minutes from the city. It's like, uh, just whatever. Um, but then, uh, you know, when we were little kids, we moved out to Marengo, and that's like uh, an hour, give or take, you know, with traffic, sometimes three. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, did farmland. You, did you grow up? You you grew up out there? Or yeah, I, I grew up in Marengo. Uh, I think, like, the first, like, three and a half years of my life, we kind of bounced around a little bit. But then, like, my brother, he's only lived in Marengo his whole life. Okay. So, so you've got a, one brother? Any other siblings? Uh, just one brother. Okay. Yeah. Cool. How far apart are you guys in age? Uh, three three plus years. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Are you guys close? or We're real close, but he's, like, totally different in every way. One of those things. But, like... Yeah. You know, I don't know, people who are close with their siblings, you know, you have that kind of connection and stuff. Yeah, yeah. My brother's seven, almost eight years younger than I am, and we're very close, but we are 
polar opposite people. Yeah, yeah. Um, your parents still together? Yep. Still yep. Together? Cool. Still together. Thirty good, some years. Wow. You got a good relationship with them? Yep. Yep. I actually never understood how people hated their parents. Yeah. You know, it was one of those weird things growing up because I actually liked them. We get along. That's good. They're cool. They're not too much. They're they're kind of young parents. Like my mom was twenty. Okay. But they weren't like you know stupid high school fake pregnancy kind of thing like oh shit looks like we're getting married now right you know, it was like they kind of had their shit together just happened to be younger okay so um what usually with most of us there's some pivotal point where we heard uh some form of non-conventional music that struck a chord within us you know for myself uh you know, I heard Sepultura when sure. I was in middle school uh, through a kid on the bus, and the rest of the rest plays out like a Greek tragedy. But uh, do you do you recall that moment for you? Was there was there a moment like that? You know, I, I when I started like making noise and stuff like that, I was thirteen, and I did it without ever hearing it. But I listened to like metal. And, you know, when I was real young, new metal was, like, just coming out. I mean, I, the first concert I ever went to when I was in third grade, um, I went and saw Corn. Okay. And, you know, that's, like, right when Life is Peachy came out, I okay. believe. So they were kind of – they were still kind of new. And, you know, of course, anyone who has ever followed, like, new metal, like, Corn is basically the founders of it, you know. Right. Um so it was it was even before they were like big big um so i would say like that kind of just set it off cuz i think before then i uh you know i just like listen to just whatever was on the radio you know i i don't even really recall you right. know before third grade what the hell was i listening i don't know i just i i remember seeing corn after that then you know i kind of got into new metal a little bit um and then you kind of take it from there, and then you get into death metal and stuff like that. Death and death metal and punk, and then from there, what you know, the obvious hybrid there is grindcore, and I kind of went from there. Um, and then you know, it just gets weird, and it's whatever. Right. Um, did you did you grow up in like a like a household that listened to music? Yeah, they listen to music. Obviously, my like my parents listen to like classic rock, like from the seventies, like Zeppelin, right. you know, things like that, Sabbath. Um, so they were always kind of like into at least semi-heavy. Say for the time that was heavier sure. stuff. Like I don't know if if you listen to things like like Blue Oyster Cult, people just kind of see them as whatever. But they're really fucking heavy. Yeah. For being a '70s band, like they're sure. heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think they kind of listen to that proto metal ish kind of stuff, right. but. But generally pretty supportive of you. Oh yeah, yeah. Checking like, music out. Oh yeah, they got got a guitar and stuff when I was. I don't even remember. Young. I was young. Uh, my brother played drums. Um, and when we, uh, like, I think, like, seventh grade or so, we were, and my brother and I were in, like, a noise core band. And it was just called Jimmy's Band. <laughs> and, like, what we would do is, like, it was it originally started with either me on guitar and vocals and my brother on drums. And then, like, he would kind of switch with one of my other friends on drums. Um, and we would like play shows where anyone could be in the band. Like that was the point. It was like true noise core, no practicing. It was just, just garbage. Right. And it was perfect. 
And it, like, if I come to think of it, that that is kind of doing things like that is what made me like continue in noise. Okay. You know, I was kind of doing weird like guitar stuff when I was like thirteen ish, you know, and uh, that's kind of like what it, the, pretty much the first thing on Fusty Cunt before it was really anything was Jimmy's band. It was like all this weird noise core stuff that I did, but all all that stuff is just gone. I don't have recordings of it anymore. It was recorded to like karaoke machines, sure. and you know, you I would make a couple copies, give it to friends, friends that absolutely have nothing to do with the scene whatsoever right, right. so i wouldn't even consider them like limited to five they just don't exist sure sure so first concert corn third grade was there something about that that band that like drew you in what what so so for me uh the anger that I heard in, in heavy metal and then in hardcore and punk uh, that was sort of what I would say now is vaguely politicized but at the time felt sure. so specific kind of drew me in because it was uh, you know I, I was I had a lot of like uh, personal reasons to be angry but it felt like it gave me something to direct my anger towards so like you know when I heard Chaos AD it, it, it spoke to me like sure yeah fuck those guys like uh you know and i and I, I feel like that that was what initially drew me to it to heavier music and underground music was like a a a, a way to, to to kind of circumvent my anger into a different direction than, sure than what i had in the past but you know that's that's my experience well that's what drew me in what what do you what do you think drew you in? You know, I kind of I more or less liked I liked the music more. I liked that they were you know heavy, you know for being a kid. And you know what? I don't even you know who cares what anyone thinks. That stuff is it is heavy. It's okay. just a different kind of heavy, and it's kind of laughable because you know you see these guys now. They're like they're pushing fifty, and they're they're still singing about like teen angst stuff. So they, it, it is laughable. Sure, but like you know back back in 94 that was kind of heavy it wasn't like fast heavy and it wasn't doom and that's why a lot of like doom and death metal guys kind of hate it because it was a little bit more commercialized i think sure. i honestly think like the only reason that they are considered like new metal and not like doom or death metal obviously they're not fast but they're kind of slower is their lyrical content? I mm-hmm. think lyrical content made new metal what it was. It was like more teen angsty, whereas like death metal was kind of you know obvious things, sure. and it was new metal was kind of like angry, angry at the world, angry being an angry kid. You know when they were doing that, they were in their twenties. You know just hating right. everything. You know struggling to get by kind of stuff. Like a generalized um, adolescent. Yeah, but I never, I never actually, I never cared about that when I was a little kid. I liked. You know, the funny thing is, like, when parent advisories were out and stuff like that, it, it makes a kid want to listen to it more. It of doesn't course. do anything. And my parents didn't care. Right. So everything I had, if it had a parent advisory, was, like, sweet. Like, I, you know, you don't really – you look at it now, and that's a really chi- – it is a truly a childish reason to like something. Sure. But you're a child. Right. You know? So it's it's kind of a draw there. But I never I never necessarily cared about lyrics so much – 
um, it was the sound. It was, it, it was more or less the sound and heavy. Yeah, yeah, the heaviness. Heaviness always got it. I uh, I always liked you know like uh, bass tones and stuff like that. Sure. And you know like with noise now, actually, I, I kind of find a fire like I more or less like higher tones because right. it's more gets to your head and hurts more. Sure. Um, but you know the just the just the heaviness always got me. Um, but like when I started writing lyrics as like a little kid. Um, I've gone through like old notebooks that I had and, you know, it laughing cause it's really just stupid, but a lot of it was really political. Mm-hmm. And when you're a little kid, you kind of don't understand politics that much, but sure. I was reading it and I, I, I seem to have had somewhat of a grasp on it. And, uh, mo- most of my stuff was really, really like libertarian thought when I was a kid. Like, cause I always, I always kind of liked right-wing ideas and I hated the Christianity kind of aspect of it, but like, I don't know, you know, um, and for a while I was doing things like that. Um, and then I got into like stream of conscious kind of stuff. That's where that came from. Okay. But, and I, I can't think of any, I don't know. I don't know where the political stuff probably came from rage against the machine, even though, I didn't really understand what they were talking about, and my politics were kind of opposite of what they were thinking. Sure. Um, but then, like, stream of consciousness, I don't know when I started writing stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Like, just trying to go back and think about where things came at. I don't know. I, I just, I know that corn and the heaviness and, you know, Slipknot, all, the, all that kind of stuff... Um, that's what drew me in originally, but l- lyrically, I don't know. I don't sure. where it came from. No clue. It sounds like when you were pretty young, you started messing around with sound composition, manipulation. Yeah. You know, um, was that something you just kind of always found yourself drawn to, like the strange, strange sounds? Yeah, and not not necessarily because of that. I just kind of liked doing it. Okay. And I liked it because it. I, I don't know. I, I've I found myself just thinking about why and why and why and it, there was a it's come to a point now where there's no point in thinking why it just is sure um, but for as long as I, I I mean the when I remember like the first moment I know I was like about thir- 12, 13 okay and it was a lot of guitar noise a lot of feedback I liked feedback whereas a lot of a lot of the bands around me, you know, they didn't really, they tried to clean up their sound. Everyone tried to sound good. They tried to sound, you know, polished and trying to make it, you know, they're, they're kids and they're trying to make it. You, right, you're not right. going to make it. And I think I always kind of knew that, that I would never make it. So I might as well just do something weird and like kind of anger people. Like I liked playing and then just having like a, uh, you know, like 30 seconds of just feedback. And so you just see everyone in their audience just kind of like, all right, we, we hate you. We get it. Like, you you know, just play something. And it was kind of just angering people. Sure. But not really – I had no intentions to just like, like, ah, I'm angering you. It was just like, oh, these people are angry at this. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. So you started off pretty, pretty much making noise almost in a vacuum. Yeah. Uh, when when did you become aware of that that was something that 
that other people were doing? You know, I, I had been doing it, and I was working with electronics um, for so long before I ever really heard anyone else doing it. I think in passing, I had heard some, like, Masona and um, Merzbo uh, because of Resound Magazine. Sure. And, like, Relapse. And I think a lot of people at that time, before before the internet was, like, what it is today, I think a lot of people found it through that route. Absolutely. Because, you know, uh, Bill Yerkowitz just, he he stamped it in. And, uh, you know, you're listening to, like, Grindcore and stuff. It's like, why not give that a chance? It's weird. But, you know, and I, so I think I heard some of that in passing. And actually, I've always tried to find the track, but I remember from like Napster I downloaded a Merzbow track and it was like it was I, I, and if I knew the exact name I'd be able to find it easily obviously but it sure. was called something like Pulse Bleep and obviously that wasn't the name I, but I have a feeling that I, I for years I was trying to find something with the word Pulse in it not Pulse Demon because sure, I, you sure. know that album um and I just never it could it could very well be just some random compilation track that I happen to get and it, it sucks because I remember it vividly in my mind like if I hear it again I will instantly know that that's it, it, it for all I know because it was Napster it may have not been Merzbo right, right you know what I mean people could have just sure. titled it that it could have been them and sure. I will never find it <laughs> I I've I will never find it we'll right. put it that way sure um but I kind of like I started. Uh, I started kind of like seeking that stuff out when I was about 17 or 18 more so. Um, and I think I, I did a trade with these guys from New Jersey called ride a dove. And I don't even know if they exist anymore. Um, but I remember I gave them some old PTM stuff cause PTM was the first noise thing I had ever did. And that's what I kind of made my name at when I was 13. And um, I remember giving them more of a drone CD. And they sent me uh, like a, a CDR in return or something like that. And for some reason, they never got theirs. And then so my first trade, I looked like a ripoff, which is hilarious. Oh um, but then I kind of just uh, – I. I I went to uh, Madison, uh, UW-Madison, and I would hang out at the uh, the record store there called Earwax. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember... Uh, I remember uh, I was talking to Rob there one day, and I happened to be in the store at the, the right day. And he told me that, uh, you know, oh, what... It's weird that a band like Wolf Eyes would sign to Sub Pop because this is right when they signed to Sub Pop, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh yeah, they're playing tonight, and they were they happen to be playing free at the uh, you know one of the little music halls at the college and stuff like that, and it happened to be the Wolf Eyes Purient um, oh, wow. tour, and um, I, uh, I there was this weird band called uh, Street Lightning that opened, and it was just it was a just a bunch of, I think it was like three or four guys that were just kind of doing their own thing. And it was just like total junk noise mm-hmm. where they were all like playing different record players and stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily harsh at all. It was just kind of like, uh, kind of like a lot of Michigan ish noise, Sounds like uh, it. it's, which makes sense. Cause Wolf eyes. Um, 
But then, like, uh, you know, Prurient went on, and it was like, oh, man, that that was amazing. Because that was back when he was doing Black Gloves era, when it was just two microphones and, you know. Um, and it, from what I remember at the show, someone shit on the floor, which is amazing. Because um, what a weird thing for anybody to do during it. <laughs> um, and then I, I remember, I didn't even really care for Wolf Eyes that much. But I, I liked Purian because I liked just the high end, and uh, I remember like I, I used to have a like a hoodie with a dark throne patch on it, and I remember like the first time I talked to Dom, he walked out, he's like, "Oh, nice, nice patch," and then he kind of walked away, and it was just kind of funny. And then, um, kind of from there, I started thinking like, "Oh, I guess more people are doing this weird shit that I'm doing," and. Uh, I started to be a little bit more active with it, and uh, that's when Fussy Cunt really started to actually do things, and PTM started to do things, even though a lot of it was never really released in 2009, and I can't remember if that show was in 2005 or 2006. It might have been like January 06, somewhere around there, and um, that's why I I think the only, like, survived recordings of PTM are from 06. Okay. Uh, there's plenty of stuff from before that, but it's just gone. Just... Um, and so I I don't even remember if I if uh, Fusty Cunt stuff had catalog numbers before that, and then I, that's when I, fi- I kind of found out that catalog numbers are just something that people do, so I was like, oh, I guess I'll just you know, keep these in some kind of order. Sure. Um, and I don't know where Fussy Cunt 1 and 2 are. I don't remember what they are. <laughs> um, they are most likely me. Right. But um, the f- first guy that I kind of got in contact with, and I got in contact with him through Soulseek, I believe, um, and it was uh, Carl Kruger. Okay. And he did this project called uh, Baby Daddy with someone else. And that was, I think I made like 15 copies of that. Um, and really from there, I kind of just branched out. I downloaded a little bit, and uh, but I, I, I liked, I've always liked having physical copies of everything. Of so, I, you know, when you're kind of 18, you don't really have too much money. I see downloading is fine. Um Plus, you, it gets you into it. Like, if you don't, you, know, you can download a bunch of stuff and realize, I, I don't like this, whatever, I'm done. Um, so, you know, you kind of learn a little bit through that. And I think Carl Kruger, he runs one of the major blogs or something like that, but I didn't even know that. I, I may have downloaded a couple things from him, but I didn't know. Sure. Um, and then, uh, actually, I think Fussy Cunt number five is uh, Nyadin D. Mm-hmm. It's one of his first that he kind of was starting to get serious with right um and it's i know that he hates the recording um just because it doesn't sound like what he's doing with now which why should it um but i actually like it i think it was it's just like really primitive industrial from him and it was kind of i had always been he and i and mac we always we kind of started around we didn't none of us really knew anybody and we kind of knew each other and we kind of branched out from there we would start learning about other people 
and uh, I don't know. I I've uh, I'm still obviously in contact with Mac, and I'm somewhat in contact with Vilk, but he's kind of gone his separate ways. Um, I have nothing against him, but you know, we just kind of see things a little bit differently now. Sure. I still support Night and because I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um. PTM. Puric Thanatology Monitor? Yeah. Monger? Yeah. Puric Thanatology Monger. You came up with that name when you were 13? When I was 13, it's all dictionary. It's all I just, dictionary. It's just total dictionary nonsense. If you, I, I, <laughs> you know, I think when I was 18, I tried to make sense of it because it, it somewhat makes sense. Right. Because um, Thanatology is like the study of the dead and Pyrrhic is like basically everyone dying. But right. it's like a you're you're king, and you send all your men out to war, and you win the war, but all your knights are dead. So yeah. that that's you know that's what a pyrrhic victory is, <laughs> and I think they were just like words of the day in sequence. Sure, sure. and uh, you know stupid, whatever means nothing. It, it's it's such a noise core name, right? You know, so I don't know. I and I've always hated it, and I've always hated fussy cunt. I fucking hate that label name i can't stand it but i won't change it out of principle i just won't do it you know i might start a sub label or something like that but i think i'll always have fusty cunt yeah no, no matter what you're you're far more principled than most of us that, who change our project and label names because we get tired of them yeah <laughs> I, I totally understand it i understand yeah. why someone would but I just can't. And then now now I'm, what, like 150 in? Yeah, you're... I'm fairly it. established with it. If I changed it now, I'd really just be doing myself a disservice. Right. However, that's, you know, some people can put their record label on a resume. I can't. Right. I, put F, I put FC tapes, and if, like, anyone would ask, it's, like, Friendly Circle. <laughs> you know, I gotta just totally lie. Better. Not like they're gonna look up Friendly Circle tapes, and they, who knows, right. it probably exists, yeah. and it'll be something nice. So pretty much going around on your own and, and it's kind of a vacuum led to sort of led into PTM mm-hmm. PTM kind of led into sort of actively being involved in like the the, the broader noise scene um, you know kind of got your label established and, and you started you know networking and, and, and creating this sort of stronger underground noise community in America and, and the, the, you know, recent years and, and, you know, using that kind of, I, I hesitate to say punk ethos because I don't think punks have a lot of ethos, but, mm. you know, the kind of the, the spirit, the, the idealistic spirit of, of, of kind of giving everybody a shot and, and being more... No, noise to me is almost like what punk wishes it would have been, even sure. when it started. Exactly. Really? Yeah. So. Um, when did you start doing Deterge? Um, Deterge formed more or less because I kind of wanted to take a more power electronics um, stance with it. Um, PTM is almost, ex- while, while it had vocals, I would never really consider it power electronics. Some might because it, it, it has... Uh, it's referenced, but it's mostly harsh noise. Sure. Um, the idea of Deterge was I wanted to I wanted to kind of focus something and make it 
not so entirely improvised. Um, it's still very improvised because I feel like that's how that's how noise and power electronics should be in a way. There there can be structure and there can be you know A B C. It's just kind of how you do it. It's like A B and C exist. But you do A and C a little bit different than you would the past performance, but it's still basically the same idea. And that's what I wanted to do with Deterge, um, especially live. I wanted to um, P, uh, also PTM really didn't have any kind of theme. It was really it was what it was. Anything I could think of, I, I've always believed that there had to be some kind of theme with it but it wasn't just a generalized theme it was like okay i think i remember there's one like business card cdr i did about um almost like horror movie like being alone in a campus and it's called the campus killer and i think there's one track like alone in the parking garage and the other one is um i can't it's like something about fanfare like like a band like a college band um, so I would do things like that, but the whole purpose of Deterge has always been intelligence in some way. Um, even things like Always Around, which is basically about an ex-girlfriend, but it's like an intelligently way to get over it and stuff like that. That's, that's, it's like a really weird, obscure concept of breakup. Okay. Um, but it was uh, always oh, it's always been revolved around intelligence in some way, and I feel that no one else in power electronics had that big backing concept with it, um, because I feel like you can do anything with intelligence. You can make intelligence sketchy. Sure. You know, for instance, like Deutsch Physique. Um, I, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one of the most fascinating things in the entire scientific community because that is absolutely the opposite what everyone in science believes, especially nowadays, where you can be racist and you can hate um, your fellow scientists because of that, but if you have the same ideas about science, science always has beaten everything else to a true scientist. Um, But, you know, during World War II era, you know, those... Germans and stuff like that, they hated Jews so vehemently that their ideas did not matter because they were Jewish. And it's so interesting. Right. And to me, that's fucking power electronics. Sure. That's exactly what it is. But it's just a, to- you know, rape and things like that is where power electronics have stemmed from. But they're absolutely not, that is not the only thing that they can or should be about. And that isn't even – people will say, oh, it's played out now. It's like, well, it's not played out. You just got to do it right. I mean, look how long it was when White House and all of them were doing it. But then in 2001, you have GR, which is 20 years later, and it's still relevant. It's still perfect, and it's still about killing whores. It's all it is. That's the sure. whole point of it, and it's perfect. Right. So as long as you do it right – that those themes are absolutely still should be involved. Sure. Um, but with yeah with with PTM or I'm sorry with the Turge. Um, 
it was always about looking at even conceptually lyrically and the way I go about it was about intelligence too I always try to I think experimentation is lost in power electronics um, too many people are trying to not necessarily mimic although many do mimic um, but there is no experimentation everyone's afraid to not be liked because of their set. They're okay with not being liked because of their content. Right. Because they're trying to push boundaries that way. But no, no, it seems like people are way too afraid to do something with their backing sound. Sure. Um, and that's why I've been trying to put like hard style, which is a really weird, obscure, um, if people aren't familiar with it, um, it's really popular, like techno-ish kind of stuff from Australia, and then um, the Netherlands. It's big. It's n- not big really anywhere outside those areas, but I kind of I've always liked it, and I always liked how like it, it just sounds like in, it's insane music. It really is insane, and it's unfortunate that I didn't really finish all the recordings that I had from back in early 2010s like 2009 2010 because now the techno element i feel is a lot of people are doing it Mm -hmm. um so i'm hoping that i'm not just gonna look like a copycat with it although no one's really using that form there a lot of people are doing minimal stuff um and I don't even hate that because a lot of it's really good. I mean, look at Private Archive. Those guys sure. are fucking perfect. They have managed to take minimal techno and power electronics and meld them in the most perfect way, and there's no one better than them at doing it. No Absolutely. one. Yeah. So, um, But Deterge is kind of about... I, I When I record something, I don't want to just immediately be like, yeah, that's it. That's that's what it's going to be. I want to sit there and think about it and like, do I even like this? Is this a total piece of shit? Um, it's that that uneasy feeling that makes it... The more uneasy I feel about it, the more obligated I am maybe to put it out. Mm-hmm. You know, or at least give it a shot. Maybe do, you know, like a C10 and make 50 copies. Just kind of see what, you know, put, get your feet in the water with it. Because that's really... Like a C10 is perfect for... It's almost like a demo. Right. It's a demo. Like, you look at you look at someone like Mersbo, and he's with he's such as prolific, you know, stuff. He has, like, eras, obviously, and it's like, you can kind of choose the ones that are like, okay, this is the absolutely essential one. But what he was doing at that point is he all the releases, like, leading up to something like Venerology and, like, Pulse Demon and stuff, it's like he had all these like weird obscure stuff that's basically the same sound it's just not quite as good sure he's building up to like okay this is it this is exactly what I wanted to do with that here it is you know in it's grandest form yeah um it's interesting because I I had a conversation with Aaron Dilloway one time about how he kind of looked at short run cassettes as almost as demos towards what what he would do later for a, a more formal release exactly and how he you know he that's that's how he felt about his own you know like tapes like and it's totally true because he was doing all these great tapes and they were short and, and sweet 
and then he put out Modern Jester, and it's just it's a double LP masterpiece. Yeah, and there's literally parts of those tapes are on that. LP. Yeah, it's it's cannibalized. And, and I've and I've also started. It, it really changed the way I was thinking of it myself. I've been trying to do that more lately. Is is I'll put out these these tapes that have sort of a. I'm working on it. Yeah, I want you to hear it, but it's going to be back at some later point, and it's going to be better. Sometimes those little tapes are the little gems in your collection. Um, that while it might not necessarily be the best, it just might be your favorite. Right. Um, one off the top of my head that I can think of, my, my absolute favorite Purient release is White Plains Leather, um, Black River Falls. Okay. And while it is definitely not his best, it is my absolute favorite because back in, I think it came out in 2005, you really, that is the quintessential. He has everything that he has done and is currently doing in that tape. And it's so buried and cut up and just, it's all there. And I don't think anyone even knows. Nobody knows about that tape, really. And it's it's everything he ever is and ever will be. And it's, um, I don't know, there, there's like all, when people are like, oh, he went techno. It's like, listen to what he was doing. It was always there. Well, it was never so overt, but it was always there. And I think you can get that with people's stuff is it's just the, like those little tapes. They're just ideas. They're ideas. And I think someone, the artist will most often a a good artist will kind of use those for the greater good. The the LP, you know, when you're ready to do an LP, like Dillaway is perfect because how many things has Dillaway done? A million, you know, I mean, you could take every live performance he's ever done and put it on tape and it's great. Right. Um, but then, yeah, he puts out Modern Jester or Chain Shot or something like that where it's like, this is the one that there's 500 copies of and there's a reason for that. Right, exactly. Speaking of Deterge LP, are, are we going to... Is it's, it's been a... Oh, it's been so three, talked about three for years, so long, yeah. yeah. Um, funny thing is, is now I'm almost thinking... I'm almost thinking I might go all out and make it a double LP. Okay. Um, because... In the past six months, um, it, it had basically been done before that. It, it needed tweaking, and it was just never to my liking. And I, I fell into that trap of just over-listening to your stuff. And then when you, when you do that, you, you hate it. You sure. hate everything about it, and you second-guess it. When you really, you, you probably shouldn't. Sure. Um, but I've recently recorded a couple really good tracks that I feel like this kind of belongs as a part of this okay um so i th- I, I actually i gave you and omar kind of a listen i think you two you were the only two that have like heard the full what it was going to be but now right. there's even more um i'm still waiting on vocals from a track from margaret okay. she's on the very last track and it's the orgasm though the whole point of the album really sums up what Deterge is about and I, I feel once it comes out I feel like I'm going to kind of branch off and then do absolutely whatever I want but the whole point is um, sign, uh, sign, uh, um, sexual gratification through scientific breakthrough okay. I mean that is the basic theme of it and um, at first it was going to be about 
um, discovering that sound should be a new form of relativity over light because sound escapes black holes and light does not. And the whole concept was going to be from the point of a scientist discovering this and being so excited that he comes. And I I had a dissertation totally planned out for it that was going to come with it. It was going to be like a 20-page dissertation. So I was like doing my own research. And through my research, I actually found out that that has basically been debunked. They kind of, I had never heard of it until about a year ago that there was some underlying research because someone else had thought of it and then they figured out that black holes, it's not the actual black hole that is emitting sound, it's the accretion disk. And so it, it, it never actually falls into it, so it, it can escape. It, once it, if the sound had gotten into the black hole, it would never be able to escape. Um, so the, the theme then... The underlying theme was the same, but it was more generalized. It's not necessarily about black holes. It's just about some sort of scientific breakthrough and then, you know, being so excited by it, you know, you you orgasm. Sure. And actually that's what um, the track with me and Margaret is. It's the orgasm. Okay. It's the realization and the orgasm and what happens when you orgasm, you're just done. You're sure. done with it. You you do it's all build up and build up and build up and then you orgasm and you're done. Right. And that's how I always envision the album to be. And it it, it ends very abruptly. Um and that's by, by choice. Um but I once I get the vocals from her, then I am going to totally finish it up polish it master i might send it to lapke i don't know i might want to just do it myself i'm kind of into just maybe doing it all myself and then i'm i'm not even going to say the label i'm going to give it to um just because i don't want to even put it out there because that person does not know they're getting it yet i want it to be done before i even say hey you want to do this album Yeah, yeah um but i it has those kind of elements of uh, hard style and industrial, and it, it's if you took the whole album and put it into like a five minute track, it would be like an insane cut up album because of how different things are, and it's been very hard getting it to flow, and I've hopefully gotten it. I, I hope hopefully got it. I don't know. We'll see. Hmm. Well, you sort of answered some of the questions I was going to have about uh, kind of thematic elements and deterge. Sure. Uh, I had just I have tiny notes on this on this little book I have, and it, it just says deterge science. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly because I, I you know as uh, a almost a turge completist mm-hmm. uh you know I, I do see that theme of 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 uh uh intellect being running throughout throughout the entire sure. s- discography um and you say that you, you you're you're with with this with this lp it's kind of like the maybe not the magnum opus but it is an opus of 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 all that the idea kinda. of of a turge you're saying it's it ends abruptly and I, I know that a lot of thinkers, once they've had their big thought, 
struggle with life after that big spot. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of musicians struggle after they write that, that one good song album, or that yeah. perfect album. They don't know what to do. Do you? Do you feel like maybe that might be why it's taken so long to put this out? Do you? Do you worry about? You know, I never really want. I never worried. Um, I almost want to struggle. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't struggle in this kind of music, then you've become it's it's become very comfortable. And I don't I don't think that this should be comfortable. If you want comfortable, go make music, because noise is not music. It should not be comfortable. Um, I know I won't be done. Sure, it, it might take the thing is I think with conceptually I've kind of focused a lot on physics yes and I think after this is when I'm going to really branch off into other forms and not even necessarily science I mean who knows I I've I had this old project called tariff that only had one thing and I like it and that's really about it's about um, taxes so Mm -hmm. technically it's about economics. Sh- thinking about it, I should have made it a deterge. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, it's a tariff. I should have just had it deterge tariff. Sure. Um, because it's about economics, basically. Which is a uh, science. It's just a political science. Absolutely. Um, but, I, you know, I, if, you, if you do look at my discography, a lot of it is physics-based. But then there's... Um, the biology base, which is um, gestation. Yep. You know, it's about birth. And uh, I can't remember what it is, but the jar. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't even this remember. Is, the, well, I feel better because you don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I I don't know remember. anything I record, but, but it's yeah. about botany, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's about the Krebs cycle mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, which is a form of like greenhouse effect kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I like that just the idea of something so weird and obscure, but it's like, I don't know. It's cool to me. It's really weird and nerdy. And I don't even like, I don't even care about some of that stuff. I just will find a very small, weird, um, aspect of it. And I'll like kind of obsess about it for a little bit and I'll just read about it. Sure. And then that, that becomes an idea for a tape. And, um, I, I want to make it known that I don't title before I record. That's one thing that I don't, you know, I might have a concept, but I'll have an underlying concept of like, okay, I kind of want to get these sounds in here. And I feel like this, you know, uh, like I think with gestation, it was kind of somewhat conceived as, you know, uh, being a full gestation of an album because it took nine months and every track is about a month. Um, whereas every track wasn't written in, you know, chronological order like that. But I feel when you listen to it, the whole concept kind of is like, okay, this is what happens during this month. And so I kind of recorded trying to get that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really that is the only album I think I've recorded where I titled before I recorded, okay. so to say. Um, I wanted to try to get it. The rest of it was like, okay, this is what this sounds like to me. And then I would do some research and be like, oh, this particular 
you know, form of science kind of sounds like this, mm-hmm. you know, the, this, cause I'll just have, a, I have tons and tons of stuff just recorded. Most of it will never see the light of day. Sometimes it just gets cannibalized and stuff like that and put into other things. And that's, uh, that's kind of how I do it that way with the concepts. And usually the sound comes before the concept. I see. Laureate's another project you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, more on the composed electronic end. Yeah. Uh, seems like it's some exploring similar themes. I mean, in name and... It's very much just about the people. Ah. Um, the people and... Uh, I mean, what they do is obviously very, very important for the, the album because I, ta- I choose very specific people and what they have won a Nobel Prize for. Sure. So it all somewhat flows and it's not just me picking out of a hat random Nobel winners. You know, each uh, the first one was about physics mm-hmm. um, and it was about, it's called Minute Detail and it's about dealing with very, very small kind of people who have dealt, uh, who've won their Nobel Prize dealing with very small things like quantum physics. Sure. So it's my, very minute details. Um, and then the other one uh, is about chemistry. It's like about biochemistry and stuff like that. And I can't, I can't for the life of me remember exactly what track because I actually gave Dom six tracks and four made it. Okay. Um, and I told him he can do what once I give it to him, he can do whatever he wants with it. But sure. all six tracks were based on that, and so it's so as to not make it totally random. Sure. Plus, he he's very good at like knowing how to put things in order. He's very good at curating an album, sure. like especially compilations. If you've ever heard that kind of stuff, it's like okay, this is perfect where everything is. So that's why I gave him free will. I was like, here's the tracks, make it a C whatever, and just choose, you know. And I I give him an underlying title for the whole album. Um, and if you listen, both the cassettes are kind of different in how they're how they're approached and that's directly related to the uh the uh concepts there's very 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 minute details in minute detail right and uh the chemistry one is a little bit more slow and a little bit more brooding and stuff. It's like a slow chemical processes, like uh, crystallization. Sure. Cause that's why I know that's one of the themes in there. Um, and I got one coming up that is actually more of a ambient drone. It's less focused on beats. Um, and I can't even, it's been so long that I can't, I can kind of remember the theme, but I don't even want to say it and be totally incorrect. <laughs> um, but I, I'm also working on a more upbeat pop one for okay. the Peace Prize. Okay. And because I feel like the Peace Prize just, you know, it needs that. But it, and I'm, I'm coming up with two for the Peace Prize. Um, one is people who obviously deserve the Peace Prize, so it's more upbeat and it's kind of uh, not so dark and dreary. Um, and then I'm doing one that's people who basically didn't deserve the peace prize like sure. they get it and it's like why why would you get the peace prize you're a piece of garbage right. like uh, I, I believe the ayatollah won the peace prize why yeah uh momar won the <laughs> peace prize you know like people who just absolutely don't deserve it whatsoever sure 
Um, so that's kind of how that goes. Okay, interesting. Um, you know, one thing that sticks out with detergent with, with FussyCon in general is packaging. Uh, you have some of the best slash worst yeah. uh, confounding, uh, fascinating packaging. Um, I guess I just I, – I don't know how to approach the question really, but I guess it's do – you, do you care to comment on the on – the, uh, your your choices in packaging because I know a lot of people it sticks out I often I think I've joked with you before my detergent section is not so much part of my tape uh, rack as it is a home and garden section yeah yeah Um, everything all the package makes sense to me anyway I mean if I explained it to someone if it didn't make sense to them it would after I explained it um I think I try to make it kind of overtly obvious okay. where it might be weird. Um, like with the saw um, that recently came out, it's all of the whole concept is about the guy who invented the circular saw. Sure. And a lot of the sound sources are a circular saw. Sure. So it's not just like, Hey, check it out. I got some cool circular saws. I'm going to put a random tape on it. No, right. it's right. it. They're thought out. And like, um, one, one thing I think, I think may have, kind of went over people's heads is when I did anhedonia Mm -hmm. um, and it comes in the diaper yep and the whole concept for that entire album and it's it's very present in every single person's track is um basically some kind of letdown um whether it be uh, you know a political letdown you know um sexual letdown something like that um I believe my deterge track is about is called I think it's called Finding Pie. It's something along the lines of pie and it's a letdown because you'll never find it cuz it doesn't end. Right. And so with the packaging on that um the diaper is just something it's just so stupid and I hate it and I let myself down by even doing it cuz I I can't stand it. It's so dumb. Um and one thing I want to point out with Anadonia that I'm really, really excited about is it did not turn out exactly how I wanted it, which makes it perfect because there's someone on there that I, do, I won't name, but I don't necessarily think that person belongs on there. Okay. And like if I went back and did it, the track wouldn't even exist on there, but that makes it all the better because I'm let down by it. And it just, it just, it was an accidental letdown, which is so perfect for it. Wasn't there also a, a letdown with the, the tape color? Uh, yeah, I wanted a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I wanted it brown. I wanted brown <laughs> tapes, and they didn't have brown tapes. So that's why it's kind of got that like shitty, sparkly spray paint on it, which is another letdown. Yeah, the whole package just <laughs> bothers me. But it's great. It's perfect. Uh, it's perfect for what it is. Perfect, yeah. um, and I'm trying to think. like, um, it's. I think, I think that one tape we were thinking of is Destructive... Uh, pentos phosphate I believe that's what it is or something yes, like that yes that is, it's, it is it's something along those lines yeah. and it's um, you know it's about botany and it comes with seeds and you're able to you know basically plant your own garden and it's all about that um, I'm trying to think of like things I've done for other people doing things for other people is a little bit harder obviously because I have to figure out what they're going for i mean obviously i know what i'm going for so it's easy to package my own things sure um but like the elza galzaga recently which i love um 
the whole concept, if you, if you listen to his stuff, it has a little bit of everything. And the way he does things, it has a little bit of music concrete, hence the concrete in it. I took music concrete and made it literal. And he's into destruction. And that's why there's a C0 in it that I, like, hand-punched every single one with, like, brass knuckles and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I could have just, you know, ran them over with my car. Right. But I wanted to just break each and every one of them, and then you you, um, but it's also about cut and paste. So I glued metal to it, and, and everything about it is just, I don't know. It turned out really well. I think it was received really well. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, that that's one that I mean it sticks out because it's so fresh, but it's it's one of my favorite ones that I've done. Um, and actually, I, I also I had to return the favor to him because when he did Roscosmos, you know, it's in a piece of uh, you know like steel, like a, a railroad iron, like ha- at least half of them are. Um, and he knew like the whole thing was about Yuri, who was the like first guy in space. He's a Russian guy, and uh, like he s- just kind of sprinkled a little bit of white onto black tapes so it kind of looks like space so like he he understood he got it sure and i had to return the favor somehow funny thing is that was supposed to be an lp and yeah. he's the only person on earth that turns out an lp oh for the Elzaga. yeah yeah for the elzagelzaga it was supposed to be an lp and he he's like no i you know let's just just let's do a tape <laughs> and i was like all right and that's the other reason because it's the material is so good it's like i can't just put this in a j case you can't sure. that, that's and there's nothing wrong with J cases because they they're convenient first of all. I mean, no if you run a label and unless you're someone like gross, you know, like I don't think I think every once in a while people expect me to do something. Um, you know, Luke Tandy used to do obscure packaging and stuff like that and then he said he was kind of done with it and I had a talk with him recently. And both of us kind of came to the realization. It's like that's kind of what makes it makes it special. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are doing it as much anymore, yeah. um, or at least without thought. People will do something weird, but it's like you just kind of did that to do it, and there's no thought behind it. And sure. that doesn't necessarily. Sometimes that's cool, but often it's like this is just a piece of shit now. And you know how am I going to even display this or whatever? Right. Um, but so I'm not going to do every tape like that but i'm gonna i'm gonna start giving tapes that treatment if i feel there's something about it that deserves it sure um otherwise i'm happy with the collage work on it as i you know hope other people would be absolutely um but yeah, yeah i mean i think you most of your cause most of the releases on fustycon you you do the the artwork for the the only time i don't is if someone is really adamant about doing their own, which I have no problem with. Some sure. labels I know have a problem. Like, if they do all the art, they do all the art. Right. And I get that, but at the same time, it's like, well, if someone wants to do their own art and they got their own vision, it's like, why not let them make it exactly what they want? So most people, I, I always tell them that beforehand, like, I can do the art, I would prefer to do the art, but if you really want to do it, hey, no problem, we'll do it. Sure. Um, so the only guy who really ever does his own artwork is the uh, Holland the Hill guy. Mm-hmm. He's always done it. Uh, I don't think he was ever against it, but he just always would send me something with art and I didn't even question it. And I was like, okay, you're, you obviously know what you wanted to go for this, so let's just do it that way. 
sure it's good. There was a couple things I wanted to touch on. One great thing of, uh, f- to me about Fusty Econ uh, is unlike labels such as mine, where I tend to be very, I'm very selective with who I work with. Mm-hmm. Almost always, I have to have met that person, or at least have carried off an extensive cor- correspondence with them. Sure. Most of the time, it's with people that I've at the very least seen play live, or sure. or like I said, carried on pretty extensive correspondence. Whereas with Fustycon, it seems like you you really open up and, and give a lot of people opportunities, and myself included. I mean, I think you saw me play once, and you asked me to do a tape, yeah, uh, which is great. And you know, I think that that you know, is very necessary. Was that something that? You like when you when you started deciding to be more active with the label. Is that something you were consciously like trying to do, or when when I really started branching out, um, you'd actually be surprised with how many things I turned down. <laughs> you know, it looks like I'm just putting out anything because like a lot of things are so random. Oh, I mean, I didn't mean it like that. no, no, no. I, I I know that, but like, um, for every like n- new or like you know some Russian guy or something like that, uh, a couple like people from other countries and stuff will send me things and I, for either, I either just don't like it or I just don't have time. Sure. Um, and I don't know, people have got to give things a chance, especially guys from, uh, like Russia or Brazil who gets to see those people live. Sure. How are you ever going to hear their stuff if somebody doesn't give it a chance? And, um, two of my, my favorite, you know, artists that I do things with, um, that I've done many multiple things with is um, Victim from Brazil yep. and Siratek from Russia. And those guys, hands down, are some of the best. I mean, Siratek sounds like a, a dirtier Russian skin graft, which is insane to think of, but it, it, that's what it sounds like to me. And he just sent me something, and I was like, well, this is amazing. I'm putting it out. Like, I didn't care who he was. Sure. None of it mattered. I just heard it, and it was great. Um, and I, I, I haven't like fallen out of touch with him, but I got to get back with him. I, I, I want to do another one from him, you know, um, but victim, I told, uh, Kadu that anytime he's got some, just send it to me. And, you know, I, I basically just know that it's going to be good, but even, even still, I'll still listen to it. And if, if it were to not be good, I wouldn't put it out, Sure, but that's just not the case with him. Right. Um, but he's he's one of the people who I think by me doing that he got recognition, which is great because he deserves it. He's Absolutely. better than so many people, but he just happens to live in Brazil, right? You know, it's not United States or Europe where this kind of stuff is. Everyone's so close to each other, and eventually someone will hear them. No one's going to hear you in Brazil unless sure. you, you you take that chance and give it to. He just I feel like he just happened to give it to the right person. Um, and I mean, he's done, uh, he did a, uh, a pretty extensively long interview in this, uh, zine called I strain, which, uh, it's, it's very, very good and it's very in depth and it's, it's like 15 pages long, you know, it's a good interview and, um, I'm glad to see someone that obscure get recognized Absolutely. and, and you have people want to do an interview with them. Um, and there's uh, another guy who's 
always on the label, um, and he's I think he's branched off a little bit, and he actually started his own label, but he's like from my neck of the woods. He's not actually from Chicago. Um, he lived like 20 minutes from where I lived, and it's uh, Swarm Survival. Mm-hmm. And one of the earliest Fusty Cunt releases is uh, a PTM Poached Goat split. He used to be Poached Goat. Okay. Um, and I, I saw him play as Poached Goat, um, but I put that out before. Uh, and and then when he started Swarm Survival, he just kind of gave it to me, and it was great. And I told him, you look, when you got stuff, just give it to me. Um, and he played like his first performance recently, so it wasn't he. He had like four tapes out before he ever played live. Right. Um. But yeah, I I, I like the idea of branching out like that and giving something a chance. Sure. Because if it's good, it's good. It, I don't care what it is. And that's the other thing is people people will hear something about someone else. Like let's say they have totally different political stances or something like that. And they don't want to have anything to do with them. And it's like, who gives a shit? I could care less what anyone believes. As long as they give me something that I thoroughly enjoy. Whether it be, you know, the music is just great or their concept is just so perfect. That, sure. Cause that's one thing I do base things off. If like someone says, "Hey, can I send you a demo?" I always say, "Yeah, I'll always listen to it." But if you send me something, you probably should have some kind of concept to make me, you know, it helps me out. Like, okay, I like this a little bit more because it's thoughtful. Sure. Um, and uh, so I, I, I came up with this little like system in my head where it's like, if the concept is so amazing. And the noise is so shitty, I'll still put it out because I like the concept so much. Sure. If the noise is okay and the concept is okay, I'm more hesitant to put it out. If the noise is extremely good and the concept is a little lacking, I'll put it out. So it's really that middle ground where I think a lot of people, that's when they put things out. When it's like, I kind of like this and your concept's kind of cool. I'll put this out for you. That's what I don't want. Right. I want it to be fully realized in one way or another. Right. So you, I mean, you really have like a keen sense of form and content mm-hmm. that you're, you pursue, it seems to me, both with your own work and with, with in, in putting out other people's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you kind of touched on it. A lot of people don't, uh, don't quite have the depth sure maybe is the word I'm looking for depth to 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 balance that you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially in in like punk and related subcultures which noises pretty much become a sort of associated to the punk scene at least in America yeah uh, it seems like people don't they will suspend their criticism of the form if the content meets their comfort levels yes but it doesn't work the other way around where if the form meets their comfort level but the content does not um and i think that uh you're a prime person to discuss this with because uh i think a lot of people that don't know you have a completely different perception than the people that do know you. I think you know, so. A lot of people that don't know you will look at you 
and maybe see a shirt that you're wearing or a release that you're destroying or whatever, and they will have a problem. And yeah. anyone who spends about 34 seconds with you will see that that's, uh, that is actually prejudiced. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we just finished talking about how you've given, you know, you give people from all over the world a mm-hmm. chance. Yeah. You're willing to give anyone a chance, whereas these people uh, won't give anyone a chance based on their their inability to balance that form and content. Um, well, it's a punk mentality. And it's really, if you look at look at it back in the 80s and 90s and stuff like that, and even early 2000s and stuff, um, really anything went. Mm-hmm. Anything goes where, like, and I think it was the people on the outskirts of punk. I mean, you look at people who are, like, gray wolves. Everyone says that they get a pass because they're actually super leftist. So they can say things like that. It's like, well, why? Right. Whereas I look at something like Genocide Organ, and they're actually saying exactly pretty much what they believe. You know, I don't know their exact belief system. Sure. But I'm willing to bet that they're not leftists. <laughs> um, but with until, like, recently, a lot of, like, uh, it's the hardcore scene came in. And the hardcore scene is very positive. And that's fine. But... When the hardcore guys came in, and I don't have a problem. Some people have a problem with them coming in. I don't. You know, whatever. They want to start doing it. Some of them make really good noise and power electronics. So I welcome it. But they have that hardcore mentality. And they're coming into a scene where anything goes. And I understand that hardcore... Where there was like uh, you know, RAC and stuff like that. Of course that exists because there's always two sides of things. But, you know, punk is predominantly leftist. Sure. Um, so a lot of power electronics is verging on, you know, things that are more extreme right wing. You know, like racism and, um, you know, just th- things like that. Classism and, you know, sure. poli- uh, on the political side of it and when a lot of these guys see that they immediately write it off because of that right where they don't even think about the content right they just see it at face value and i think some of them you can get through to because you can you can be like okay look i get you're coming from a hardcore scene and this shit's not tolerated and that's totally fine i get it you guys don't like it I'm not saying that anyone should like any of this stuff, but you're coming into a scene that has been has been here longer than you've been alive. You're not going to come in and change it. Um, this stuff is. I like that the music sort yeah, of yeah. came in as you were getting really. <laughs> um, you better say something very inspirational right now. <laughs> this tone. This stuff is bigger than your ideologies. Sure. And it always has been and always will be. And deal with it. Deal with it. Because I I like that idea of me even. Like, I want to listen to something that I might necessarily hate their concept. Sure. I might vehemently be against it. 
and that draws me to it. Whereas a lot of these guys, that's drawing them away from it, sure. which is wrong. But in the in the sense, if you think about it, it's doing its job. Mm-hmm. Now, because because they're not gonna change it, that's cool. If they came in and all of a sudden totally changed it, I think there there'd be a big problem. Sure. Um, like if everyone just started to become politically, it's it's really just with what the country is doing. Every PC is destroying the country. It's absolutely destroying it in every way, shape, and form because you can't say shit anymore. Everybody's afraid to say anything. Everyone's walking on eggshells, and you know they they take um, just like public figures and just destroying them for things they say in their past. It's like like with Paula Dean, you know. They they find something thirty years ago that she said, and they destroy her now. It's like she is a an old Southern woman. She's gonna have some racist thoughts, especially back then. Who knows? She probably doesn't think that way. Who knew? If she does, whatever. You know? Does she cook good? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares what she fucking thinks. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks, as long as they do their job good. Right. Um. It's, it's unless it's, your job is to. Th- think about those things and you're doing it wrong and obviously right. there's a problem but things people's pretty like anonymous going after all these people in the KKK it's like who gives a shit who cares if anyone's in the KKK unless they're going out and killing black people if they're racist I don't give a shit what people say or think it means nothing it's your own thoughts you can think whatever you want right it's it's interesting hearing your perspective yeah, uh, on this because, you know, I come from a background in the hardcore scene. Yeah, uh, from you know the militant vegan straight edge scene at that. Yeah, yeah. So, what drew me away from that and towards more experimental music was that the people that had I, thoughts and feelings that I shared at the time, uh, some of those thoughts and feelings I still share, were just so. Uh, antiseptic about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't want to hear anything else. They only wanted to hear the sound of their own voice. Sure. Uh, they couldn't stand the thought of being uncomfortable. And yeah. for me, what drew me into hardcore and punk in the first place was uh, I had spent my whole life feeling uncomfortable. It's where I I dwelled. And so being somewhere where it was physically and legally unsafe uh, felt good because yeah. I had other people that could exist in that space with me. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I found, you know, like I, I, I'd, I'd been exposed to noise a little bit through bands like integrity doing, you know, split with Lockwell or, or Jewett had a side project called Psy warfare. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I kind of came to noise through there, but you know, when I, when I really got, to interact with people in the noise scene, uh, I just like that it was different people, all it's kinds of everyone. Different people. I have friends that have ideas that make me sick to my stomach if I think about them. Long yeah, long. but they're your friend. But they're my friends because uh, we have this the, the shared thing, and we know that we disagree. Yeah, and you can, can have a discussion coexist. about it. Yeah, you know, and and to me, that's that is what is so refreshing about about the noise scene or, or one of the things that's very refreshing about the noise scene is that a lot of different ideas can coexist and a lot of different forms of expression can coexist whereas 
traditional music scenes, whether it's punk music or hardcore, it's still a traditionally, mm-hmm. there's still roles for people to play. There's there's no there's no breathing there room is, like no. there is there is a noise and it's 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 fascinating to see how how it kind of you know I think I think you said it right there's these there's these people that are being drawn from that scene here for whatever reason mm-hmm. and they're reacting one of two ways they're finding what they are looking for mm-hmm. or they're they're trying to a, change it into what they already or know offend, you know yeah and it's 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 silly because they're. It's it's not going to change because it needs to be this way, it it has to exist this way, and it's you know, it's going to forever you know like regardless of how the sound may change, I think that that noise is the one of the few sacred spaces left in the art community that will allow for uh, people to openly play with ideas, no matter how dangerous those ideas may be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I like about, like, pretty much most of my friends, even though I have a lot of different views than some of them, um, I like the idea of open to debate and just talking about something. Uh, it's one of the reasons I hate activism of any kind, whether or not I be- believe in the activism or not. I don't like it. I don't think it does anything. I think it's people just out there making s- no difference. They don't make a difference. Sure. And if these people just kind of had discussions, I think I think that's the way you can kind of figure things out. Um, whether or not you're going to completely agree with each other, I think if people have discussions, there's going to no doubt be little aspects like, okay, well, we both agree on this. Maybe if we try something like this, like we hate these ideas, but we like these ideas, let's try to do something with that. Um, it was like weird positivity for me, but it's, <laughs> you know, things like that. I, I just, I hate activism so much. And that's the reason why, that's the reason why like the support tape exists. It's because when shit like that happened, how long did people really give a shit? Right. Not very long. You know, they were very, very pissed and there was riots and stuff like that. And then it just something else happened was on in the next one and no one even cares about them that you know I don't even know the guy's name but I wanted to play the devil's advocate and just a picture's worth a thousand words with that one you just support him and I wanted to see how many people could get angry at it and it it was effective it made so many people angry but it really it made them angry for no reason because they actually don't care right it's the weekend activism it's like what's what's new what what are we gonna who are we gonna hate now Um, It's, it's funny because you know, uh, to date this podcast, uh, yesterday was the uh, November 2015 terror attacks in Paris. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was I was talking to my partner. I said, you know, all these people are on the internet, on social media, talking about how they're grieving. Why? And I don't understand why they're grieving because they don't know any of these people. They and don't I'm know not any saying of them. that their deaths aren't sad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they don't live in my community and they're not a member of my family. It's just like when people see an airplane crash, say, Oh, it's such a horrible tragedy. Is it? You didn't, if, if you don't, if you're not a member of those people's family, what, 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 what is it to you? Are you really saying that you're sad or are you saying, I'm glad it wasn't me. And for me, like that's, it's, it's a lot of people 
wanting to feel strongly about something and having nothing to feel strongly about because they don't want to face they don't want to face their next door neighbor I, I, I yeah what I feel like in those situations when people like support stuff like that um they want to show like check it out I care I care about this look at me I care me right. me 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 when you right. don't give a fucking shit in real life right. I don't care what anyone says unless you knew someone over there you don't really give a shit right. you might think that's a horrible thing and that's a fine thought because it's really not great yeah but you you don't care I'm yeah. sorry you don't care you just want to let everyone know check it out I care exactly and that's all they care about is that everyone knows that they care. Right. Or and everyone thinks that they care. And next week they will be on to caring about something yeah. else. This one was pretty big in my last two weeks. Two weeks. But yeah, yeah. it's just going to be on to the next thing. And everyone's going to go about the daily life as they should. Right. Look at 9-11. When that happened, what did it take? You know, until about September 20th, shit Kind of like you know, because right. the government was saying, "Look, we we need to kind of get past this." Yeah, I believe it wasn't great, but we gotta go about our day. Right. And I believe pe- they even used the term "business as usual." And, and yeah, it should be. It yeah. should be business as usual. If if it's not business as usual, then there's way more damage. Right. right. And of course, if you are immediately impacted by that, yeah, I, I would assume that nine days is not going to be enough. Maybe uh, years isn't sure. enough. But if you aren't affected by it, who the fuck cares? Right. You, you just uh, – you run a business? What, are you going to run your business into the ground because you're crying about, you know, you're in Chicago and something happened in New York? Right. No. Right. You just do it. I think, I think one thing that perhaps draws anyone to, to underground music or art is that it kind of exists in a close-knit community mm-hmm. for good and bad. But, you know, it is nice that we're able to to interact with each other, whether or not it's actually face-to-face. It's in a direct... We communicate directly with one another. Sure. And, uh, you know, I think that we're filling a space in our our need as a species for that direct human community. That that is largely absent from modern culture. Yeah, and uh, I think that that it just plays into what we're talking about. Is is you know these? I I'm not saying it's not sad. I'm saying if someone bombed Mata in Los Angeles, and yeah. Kevin and, and uh, Neil and Patrick yeah, yeah. died. I would be grieving because those mem- those are people I feel are members of my community. Good point. You know, but I don't know those people at the Eagles of Death Metal concert. Sure. And none of them gave anything into my community. You didn't even know so, they existed. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I didn't even know they existed. So I, I think that, you know, I, I guess I'm – to kind of put it all together and tie a bow on it, I'm saying that, you know, like the, you know, the great thing about – Noise is, is our sense of community. Well, it's a, it's a microcosm for the entire United States. If you think about it, how people react to shit. Um, where we should be caring about our immediate, our families, our friends, our community, whether it be a noise community or your literal community, like your neighborhood and stuff. If people started caring more about 
those kind of things instead of like trying to look at things as a whole, I think more would get done. Sure. Uh, you're never going to change this country through certain things because the country's completely divided and shit. So if you just look out for your own interests, it might be a whole better thing. And, you know, who knows? That That's the only way to move forward from anything. You know, poverty or, it's, you know, I don't know. I can't really, you know, um, people who, like... Like the gay community. If you're not in the gay community or you don't know anybody in the gay community and you strongly support the gay community, why? They don't really care. Those people should care because they're either gay or they have a um, you know, a family member that's gay or a friend that's gay. It's like, okay, that's fine. But if it doesn't affect you, why do you really care? Sure. You might believe, like, okay, yeah, I think that uh, gays should be married. And that should be about the amount of your caring. Right. right. Maybe enough to vote for it. But to go and, like, be an activist about it, why? Sure. They don't care. Nobody cares. Just stay with stay with people. Uh, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's like almost a communist thought, really. And I'm, like, not a communist, but... Things like that work on smaller levels. Sure. If you work on smaller levels, then you can maybe eventually get to bigger levels. Sure. With anything. It doesn't even need to be political. It could just be, you know, like charity and shit. Sure. I'm, not, I, I'm personally, I don't want to give the cancer. I don't care. I don't care about cancer. My grandma had cancer. I had cancer. I don't give a shit about cancer. So I'm not going to give to it. So I think people shouldn't necessarily, unless it fully I mean technically I could give to it and it would be okay if if people want to uh this is this is maybe I don't know I'm kind of going off on a tangent in my brain <laughs> but like if people being forced being forced to give by feeling like you have to shouldn't exist but it's like you know when you go into like a gas station and you see, like, a picture of, like, a kid that has cancer or something, and it's like, hey, we're collecting for this kid. It's like, that's your community. Give to the... Don't give to cancer. Right. Give to John Smith. Right. And I feel like that's how some charities should work, but it's not... Sure. And it's... Uh, and I, I, I... I have nothing wrong with charity, obviously, but I think most charities and stuff exist... To once again, me, 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 check it out. I gave the charity. I gave the charity. Sure. When if you really cared, you'd give a grand and you wouldn't even say your name. You'd give it anonymously. Sure. You shouldn't care to have your name on it. Absolutely. You know, if you want to do it, you're a better person than me. Yeah. But you don't need to. When, when I think the people that are worse than me are the people that give and say, check it out. I gave. You should give too. Sure. I was really worried we were going to end this on way too positive of a note with the uh, <laughs> talking about changing things for the good, but then we circled back around, stomped on cancer a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really concerned that <laughs> you and I were going to end our podcast on a positive note, which would not fit our characters at all. No. And would just ruin any 
any mis mystery that we're, we're we have. Uh, so um, I know Fusty Cunt, not big on the digital presence. No, uh, you do have a blog. I do it's poorly. FustyCuntTapes.blogspot.com. I think that's what it is. If people want to check it out. Stay up to date or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, new any, batches I put on there. That's about it. Sure. Um, anything you want to plug? Anybody you think everyone should be checking out, or anything you want to let everyone know? Um. Well, for starters, uh, need help in the Pittsburgh scene because I just moved there. So let's uh. Let's try to get things going because I think it's a perfect spot if you're on tour to hit, and if we can, you know, get more people involved in that, uh, that'll be very, very good for fans and, you know, musicians. Um, uh, I don't know. Even though I'm not in Chicago anymore, I still think I'm always going to consider myself a Chicagoan, even though I was never actually living in the city anyway. Sure. I think that... Uh, Forever tied to the no coast. I, oh, I think even Pittsburgh is still kind of no coast. Oh, yeah, it's the Rust Belt. So. Um, you know, I still think that the, this is definitely the strongest scene in the country right now, because I think... I think people are just doing while they're like basically my immediate friends that's probably biased but if I look at other areas of the country I don't think they're quite doing it like we're doing it here Absolutely. Uh, even New York New York's got some great stuff but they do it so different and I'm sure. not necessarily into the way they do it Yeah, I think more people here one thing I'm into if, if I see you live I want to see you play I don't want to go and see Millie Vanilli yeah at a noise show that's not what it was it wasn't supposed to be if you consider yourself noise and you play only off an iPod you're not noise right. you, you may have made noise but if your set sounds exactly the same every single time I don't really I don't care yeah I, I like people messing up sure just as I would like to hear a band kind of mess up I want to hear it different every time yeah it's just how noise should be. Um, I am so stoked because with Omar, I got into a coastal trash. Now we're trashing the coast again. Kinda, yeah. East coast and west coast, you're on notice. The no coast has beef with pretty much everything you're doing at all times. Always. Even if we like you. Even if we like you, we're better. Yeah. We're, we have <laughs> shittier weather. We have a worse economy. We're, we we're, have a more. If you live in Illinois, we have bleak. the most corrupt state. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jim, thanks again so much. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right.
that about does it for this month's episode of Harsh Truths Podcast. Thanks again to Jim for taking some time to answer some questions. Thanks to everyone out there for downloading. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. You can find us at harshtruthspodcast.wordpress.com. You can also find us on Facebook if you search Harsh Truths Podcast. You can get a hold of me via Twitter at Plague Mother, or you can shoot an email, harshtruthspodcast at gmail.com. Keep in mind, next week is a bonus episode. I'll be answering questions, so send any questions you might have my way. And uh, thanks again for listening. Have a great day. I do wonder, like, with uh, with the podcast, like, if I won't, I, I was like, maybe I should put some noise in, like, the beginning or the end. But I don't know. <coughs> I feel like Bruce has some Doberman in him. I definitely, definitely got some dope. He's got Maserai's, man. He's got some dopey Maserai's for sure. He says, oh.